So now Van Cochran, our senior pastor, is going to come up and give the message today. So let's give him a welcome. Hey, good morning, everyone. Yeah, awesome to see you all here. And uh, I think we're going to have a great day. Isn't, isn't it good to gather on the day that Jesus rose from the dead and to celebrate that? And yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. One of the cool things about this day is that we come with such expectation. And, and our, our faith is, this, our sense of faith and expectation are heightened. And God responds to that. I don't, I don't know necessarily that God is saying, oh, yeah, this is a holy day. In fact, the Bible says that days are all the same. But because we celebrate the resurrection on this day, we come with excitement and faith and anticipation. And, and God does stuff. So uh, my expectation is that today some of us are going to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus with a clarity that we never have before. And for others, we're going to be set free from some false thought patterns that entangle our lives and are the root of bad habits that we have and, and other things that we just desperately want to be set free from. Some of us are going to get set free today, okay? That's, we have a great testimony that's going to come later. And I think uh, God, some people are just going to be healed. Just as you sit there, there there's going to be healing happen. Now, uh, yesterday, Lori and I were uh, doing a little bit of shopping and uh, walked past a man and walked back to him and asked him if I could pray for him about anything. Uh, I, I'm not sure. He might have been homeless. I'm not sure. But uh, he looked at me and he said, yes, please pray for all the people with spinal injuries. And so, okay, that's unusual that you, you know, bump into somebody and that they ask for that. And I said, well, do you have family or, or a friend or that, that has suffered in this way? And he said, well, I've known different people who have over the years. So I said, okay, let's pray. And um, prayed together. And as I prayed, I felt led to pray that God would just release uh, this down, uh, down draft of power into the city of Cincinnati. That in the hospitals and in the homes and all, all around in Hamilton County, that there would be significant healing happen in that whole area of spinal cord injuries. Not only people in the hospital with fresh industries, injuries, but people who have been living with this for uh, some period of time. And that we would read about it in the papers in two weeks. That someone's going to say, yeah, w- look what's happening. So I want us all to pray for that right now. Okay, would you, would you stand? Do you mind standing? Just, or if you want to have your whole row wants to sit, that's okay. Just take someone's hand. If you want to stand, stand. I guess part of the row can't sit and stand, or maybe you can. If you, you can work that out among yourselves, all right? Just work that out. All right, pray with me, would you? Uh, Father God, we're so thankful that this day of all days, Resurrection Day, represents your heart for humanity. And not, not just to get us into heaven someday when we die, but to release your kingdom here on earth now. And so, Father, we, we want to follow that prayer Jesus taught us to pray and say, let heaven come to earth. Let heaven come to earth. And we know that with your kingdom coming to earth comes healing. And so we ask you for that right now. Release your power 
to all the hospitals in this area, to any recovery centers in this area, to homes all through uh, Cincinnati and Hamilton County that are suffering from spinal cord injuries and bring healing, Father. We ask healing and we speak that right now. We speak healing over this whole city, particularly in this area of spinal cord injuries. And Father, all to your glory, and we do ask that we'll be able to read about this in the paper in two weeks, how uh, something unusual happened in Cincinnati on Easter weekend, and so many people improved so dramatically that we're not expected to improve, and so many were healed. We pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, awesome, awesome. Have a seat. All right, this is Easter. Should I tell jokes or not today? All right, any of you that don't like the jokes, what can I do? Okay, so a, a, a guy goes to his pastor and says, Pastor, I need you to pray for my hearing. And the pastor, without hearing anything else, immediately he reaches out both hands, puts them on the man's ears, and prays a powerful prayer of healing. And then he says, Well, how is your hearing? And the man said, well, I don't know. I don't go before the judge until Tuesday. (laughs) All right, all right. You're a lively bunch. So a student goes to his professor, and his grades aren't the best. And he's afraid he's going to flunk the class. It's down to the final exam. And he says, professor, how many points do I have to get to to pass the course? And the professor says, well, there are 100 points total on the final exam. And looking at your grades, you need 113 just to get a D. Okay. So the guy shakes his head and says, okay, how many points do I need for a C? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, you get it? There's a reason this guy's flunking the course, all right? All right, so there's a guy that got sick of Facebook, Twitter, and everything else, you know, following people and all of that online. He says, I'm not going to do that anymore. He said, I've decided from now on when I walk down the, down the street to the corner coffee shop to get my coffee in the morning, I'm just going to stop random strangers because that's who half the people are out there when I do Facebook and Twitter. I'm just going to stop them and tell them what's happening in my life, what I had for breakfast that morning. You know, what TV show I watched, want to get, you know, and show them pictures of my family and stuff like that. And then he said, and, and you know, after two weeks, I already have three people following me. <laughs> two policemen and one psychiatrist. Okay. You guys are great, man. All right, uh, okay, I'm going to give you an extra one here, all right? This, this one. This one guy said that his dog chased people down the street on a bicycle so much that he had to take the dog's bike away. Okay, not so good. All right, this last one's really good, all right? You know, like in King James English, the word fourth means to, to step out into something like Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth, meaning come out of the grave, or come forth, meaning come to me. So here's the joke. Jesus said to John, come forth and receive eternal life. But John came fifth and only got a toaster. (laughs) 
Get it? You get it? Yeah, okay. All right, I, I had to save that one for last because uh, that leads me into saying this. I am so glad that eternal life doesn't depend upon a contest and whether I came in the top three or the top four in that contest. Aren't you? Yeah, I'm so glad for that. And I'm so glad eternal life doesn't depend upon my good works. You know, the, the stuff I try to accumulate to offset the bad stuff. I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad that it's not my love for God. You know, that I say, okay, God, I love you so, 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 so much. You have to let me into heaven because I love you so, so much. I'm, I'm glad it's not for that. I'm glad. And I am glad that we can know that we have eternal life. You know that? We're going to look at that a little later. But, but, but the whole idea of how important is eternal life? And where, where, you know, where does it fit in my, my, uh, in my ranking as far as what I'm pursuing in life and what is significant and important to me? Um, how many of you uh, are fans of the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, if you watch it once, you have to watch it a hundred times, you know? It's that kind of movie. There are these three guys that have escaped from a chain gang. And uh, they are looking, they're, they're searching for the treasure that the leader of the group, Everett, claims he hid. That's how he got the other two guys to escape with him. He'll share the treasure with them. And the two, two of the guys, Pete and Delmar, are just as dumb as a bag of rocks. I mean... <laughs> They, they're, just, they're, they're just not smart guys at all. But they come across a baptism scene at a river where pastor's out in the water and people are going out and get baptized. And Delmar, the one out of the group that has the most sensitive conscience, he's watching this and you can see it on his face. And then he just runs into the river and runs up to the preacher and they talk for a minute and then he gets baptized. And then Delmar comes out of the water and, and he's, just, he's just like this. Well, fellas, I'm saved, he says. I, you know, my sins are forgiven. And uh, all of them, even that Piggly Wiggly I knocked over, the convenience store, and Everett says, I thought you said you didn't knock that over. He says, Delmar pauses, he says, well, I lied. And the preacher said, I've been forgiven for that too. <laughs> so he says, from now on, it's the straight and narrow for me, fellas, and glory ever after. And... Uh, then he says, he just goes like this again, come on in, boys, the water's fine. And so Pete runs in to get baptized right after Delmar. Everett, standing there, though, who's the one who's driving this whole thing, he says, Delmar, what are you talking about? He says, we've got bigger fish to fry. Now, if you know that phrase, bigger fish to fry, if you go fishing, the only time you eat like a three-inch long perch or bluegill is if your kid caught it, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, you throw the little fish back. You save the big fish to fry, all right? You, you, you cook the 10-inch long or 12-inch long trout. Bigger fish to fry means we have more important things. So I've always loved that line because, you know, being someone who understands some spiritual stuff, whoever wrote that just had this fantastic twist of thought to say, Glory ever after isn't as important as what I want to do. That's what Everett was saying. And we don't have time to mess with this stuff because we have more important stuff to do. And unfortunately in life, it seems like that can really be the case. I mean, for all of us, um, it can be the case that we lose track of how important being connected to Jesus is, knowing Jesus, 
walking with Jesus, how important really heaven ever after is, how important that is. We lose track of that. I mean, for some people, they get so caught up in where's my next meal coming from that, uh, that, that eternal life seems like something that was well, so far off. Let's forget about that. Let's just take care of this. But you know, the truth is, uh, the day's going to come when your taste buds are going to start to go south. And, um, and you know that because you start using a whole lot of pepper. But uh, <laughs> food's not going to taste the same anymore. And I mean, honestly, don't mean want to bring up too much the negative side of this, but we are all someday going to have a last meal, okay? And then, then what? Uh, you know, some people would look at uh, their life and they would say, well, maybe having a comfortable retirement is more important. So I need to give my whole life simply to making money and saving money and taking care of my money. You know, Jesus answered that question when one, in a parable where the man came to a point that he had amassed this great wealth. And he said, boy, I can take it easy now for the rest of my life. And in the parable, God speaks to him and says, don't you know you're going to die tonight? And then whose will all of this stuff be that you've accumulated over the course of your life? Some people would say health is more important. And health, health and provision are important. And God cares about that. That's why we pray for the sick. They are important. And God wants to heal us. But if, if I live long enough, my body's going to wear out. And at the very least, I'm not going to function as well in health. And so what is it that is most important? And I would say that it really does come down to Everett being wrong, and, and he's the smart one, Delmar being right, and Delmar saying glory ever after, and that's where I'm headed from now on, that's what I'm pursuing. Now, there is one other thing that is equally important to that, and I'm not going to tell you what that is right now, I'm going to tell you that a little later. One other thing that's equally important to uh, knowing that we're going to heaven when we die. But one of the questions I want to ask is this. Is it possible to know for sure that you have eternal life? Can you really know for sure? Or do I have to wait until the day that I meet up with Peter outside the, the, the gate and, and he weighs my good deeds against my bad deeds? Am I going to have to wait till that moment and see which way the scale goes? Or some other means of determining that. Is it possible for me, for you, sitting here right now, to know you're going to heaven, that you have eternal life? And the Apostle John, who was called the Apostle Jesus Loved, he wrote this in a letter that he wrote, 1 John 5, verses 12 and 13. He said this. He said, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, he boils it down to the simplicity of this. Do you have Jesus? Do you have the Son of God? If you do, then he is eternal life. You have eternal life. If you don't, then you don't have eternal life. It's that simple as John puts it here. And he's writing this. He's saying it's possible to know for sure if you have Jesus or not. He says, you can know that. And he says, that's why I'm writing this to you so that you will know for certain whether you have eternal life or not. Now, what, what, what we see when we look at this 
is the, the simplicity of the gospel. It's just simple. It is us receiving, not us giving God something that buys him off because we've done so many bad things. It is us receiving his love. I got an insight about the Apostle John from Jim Freeberg a week or two ago. And it, it was this, that John was called the apostle whom Jesus loved for a very simple reason. That during that whole time of Jesus' earthly ministry here, he was the only one of the 12 apostles that really got it. He was the only one that really understood it, didn't, it wasn't about his love for Jesus. It was about Jesus' love for him. And so he was able to receive Jesus' love. Whereas Peter, right up to the very end, the night Jesus was betrayed, uh, Peter makes these boasts about what he's going to do for Jesus. Everyone might forsake you, but Jesus, I will never forsake you. I love you so much. I am so committed to you. John knew that that wasn't the issue. He knew it was Jesus' love for him that was the issue. So he was able to receive the love of God, whereas Peter and others were trying to prove to God how much they loved him. And so this, um, this whole thing is about God's love. And, and that's my second point here. It all starts with God's love for us, not our love for him. I don't like persuade him because he looks down here and, and he says, oh, that van, man, that guy loves me so much. Angels, we got to do something for him. We got to get him into heaven somehow, okay, because he loves me so much, you know. It's not the way it starts. It starts with his love for us. And we read that again in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life once again through him. Let's say that together, eternal life through him. Say that with me. Eternal life through him. And then he says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, that's where it all starts. That's the foundation of everything. And how does God show us that love? He sent Jesus to die as a sacrifice for our sins. And so Jesus came into the world. Uh, he, he, he's God's son. He's existed in eter for eternity with God in heaven. That's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son came to earth and became a human being, but he never gave up his full deity. He, stayed full, he, he remained full deity, but he also became fully human. Now, as a full human, he could die as a substitute for humans because he's part of the human race. And it was a human being, human beings, Adam and Eve, that got us into this mess. It had to be a human being that was going to get us out of the mess. And so Jesus becomes a human being, full human. He was able to die for other human beings. But get this, this is crucial. Uh, Sarah, who was up here earlier, uh, and I talked about this week, and she shared with me that she just had that insight, and it was awesome insight. Here it is, that because Jesus was God's son, his one death had an eternal value, and his one death was able to pay for all the sins of all humanity for all mankind, okay? You get that? So Jesus died for our sins to pay for our sins. I'm going to say this right now, and then I'm going to show it to you later in Scripture. 
If you came here today and you haven't yet met Jesus, you don't know if Jesus is in your life or not, or you know for sure you haven't invited him into your heart, into your life, then I want you to know this. Jesus has already paid for your sins. He's already done it. Sin is not the issue. Sin is not the problem any longer. Now, I'm not saying it's not a problem, but it is not the thing standing between the person and God because Jesus died to take the sin away. Do you know what he did when he did that was he made it possible for us to choose. He made it possible for us to say yes to him. And that's why in the Upper Room Discourse, which is a a sermon Jesus gave uh, right before he died, he said that the Holy Spirit was going to come and he was going to convict the world of sin and righteousness. And and he was going to do that because the world doesn't believe in him. And so what he was saying was what the Holy Spirit is going to do is to come and convict the world of its need for Jesus, not of its sin, but of its need for Jesus. And so because God's already taken care of the sin, I can open my heart to Jesus. There's nothing standing between me and God now. All right, we're going to look at that in just a moment. But um, his, de- his death on the cross paid it all. So uh, how do I make the choice? How do I choose? H- how do I know? What, what do I do to make that choice? To invite him into my life. And, I, you know, I got to tell you, I've had a lot of young guys come up to me and ask me at times over the years... Should I propose to this woman? Uh, And maybe once in a while, a a girl, but most of the time it's been guys asking me. And and here are some questions I would ask them. I would say, what are the character traits that you're looking for in a wife? Does she have them? Do you know what you're looking for in a wife? And does she have the character traits you're looking for? Second thing is, what's her direction in life? What's her value system? Can the two of you walk ahead together in life? Can you serve God together because you have the same value system? Third question is, does she challenge and encourage you? Can you grow together, in other words? Do you respect her enough that she can speak into your life and she can challenge you and you challenge each other in spiritual growth? And then the fourth thing is, is she attractive to you? Do you think she's beautiful? Uh, Is she fun to be with? Do you enjoy being with her? And if a guy answers all those questions, yes, then I'd say, well, then go for it, man. It's your call. You know, you can choose to do that or you can wait for someone else that you think might have those characteristics. If it was me and all those things line up, I proposed on the third date, okay? (laughs) When I I found all this, I wasn't going to wait. But you can take the same thing and you can look at Jesus. You can ask the same questions. And so that first question, what about character? Does Jesus have the character of someone that you would want to have lead your life and be part of your life? And I just wrote down a number of things here. He was brave, okay? He was incredibly brave. He was bold. Uh, He served other people. And he was kind at the same time. He cared about people that, uh, that other people in society didn't care about. He listened, isn't, wouldn't it be nice to have someone that listens? Doesn't you know, just automatically jump to answers. Uh, it, he's truthful. He never lies. He never gossips. He'll never gossip about you. He'll never belittle you. He'll always call out your best. He's faithful. And on top of all of that, kids and dogs love him. Okay? 
Now, I'm making up the part about dogs there. We know from the Bible kids loved him, and I'm assuming that dogs loved him too. Okay, so character, check. All right, how about direction? Well, Jesus' direction in his life is, is to love and serve God and others. And, and he shows us how to do that with him. We do get to do it with him. And so the question is, is there something in my heart telling me, hey, there really is a God. I really am created by God. And, and I do want to follow him. Lori, and I, Lori was listening to a, a, some podcast or something. Um, and a, a major comedian, Tim Allen, was set, he calls God his maker. And he says, I don't know who he is, but if I have a maker, I want to know him. And if I have a maker, I, I, want, to, I want to line my life up with him. That, that should be just part of human nature. But because of the fall, you know, we, we go other directions. But... I, I want to serve God, so Je- Jesus is going to lead me in that. Will he challenge me, and, and will I grow in relationship with him? I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, he's, he's like the best coach you ever had. He knows right what you need for the next step, and he brings you to that next step without any belittling or criticism or rejection. He, he brings, it, brings you to it with love and with, with you prepared to take that next step. You know, he does this. We, we use this language around here. He draws out the gold in you. All right? Okay, isn't that cool? He finds the gold in you and he pulls that out. And then he magnifies that. And do you know what happens when someone draws out the gold in you? Then all the junk just kind of like falls away. It just starts to fall away all on its own. Jesus pulls out the gold in us. And then finally, is he attractive and fun? And I want to say, Jesus is the person everyone wants to be with. You know, we have that song, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Well, listen, when Jesus walked into a room, everything focused on him. Not because he was self-centered or egotistical, but just because he was the coolest guy there. He was God's son. He was the guy that, that has the answers and has, he was, he was the guy everybody wanted to be with. He was the life of the party. And so you look at all of that, and, and, and I say, how could, how could I not open my heart to Jesus? How could I not open my heart to Jesus? And, you know, for some even that are, aren't convinced, even to say, well, okay, even if there's a chance that this is real, then you can just, just do this. Just say, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me. I want to know you. If you're real, I really want to know you. Now, if you're already convinced he is real, then it is, Jesus, here I am. I want to know you. I want to invite you into my life. I open the door of my life and heart to you right now. And so that, that really um, brings us to this question, what do I actually do? What do I do? Well, it's not good works. It's not like begging or convincing or anything like that. John 1.12 uh, says this. To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. All right, what do you do? You believe him? You believe what he says about himself? You know, God the Father said, this is my beloved son, and I want you to listen to him. That's what he said. This is my son, listen to him. And so Jesus says, everybody, come to me for life. All right, God said, listen to him. Jesus says, come to me for life. Then I need to come to him for life. I mean, to receive life, to, re- to receive real life, eternal life. I come to him to receive that. And how do you receive someone? How do you accept them? 
Well, first of all, if there's anything between you, it has to be dealt with. It has to be done away with. If there's like hindrances, uh, like if, if they're a thousand miles away and you want to have them over for dinner, you have to overcome that gap of a thousand miles somehow to get them into proximity with you. And for us, it was sin that was that gap. Because all have sinned, all have gone their own way, all have done life our own way rather than God's way. And that separates us from God. And this is where it becomes so important that we understand that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. In 1 John 2, 2, it says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. That means he takes care of sin for us believers, but he says also for the whole world. Now, what that means is that Jesus has already died for the sins of the whole world. They're all taken care of. They're all out of the way. That's no longer the issue between man and God. Sin is no longer the thing that blocks the way. It's human will that blocks the way now. It's human will that will not turn and say, I want you. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, it says, Through Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting their sins against them. Okay, he's talking about all of humanity, not just believers. God doesn't count their sins against them anymore. And and he says this, we implore you on behalf of Christ, you be reconciled to God. And so it's like this, there's just all this sin between uh, me and God, and and it's blocking our relationship, and God is here, but God sees through it all, and he, he loves me anyway. And so he sends Jesus to come and to take the sin out of the way by dying on the cross. And he takes the sin out of the way, and now God says, hey, hey, I'm right here. Nothing, nothing standing between us, but I'm standing over here with my back to him. See, he's reconciled himself to me. He has turned to me. What I need to do now is reconcile means to line things up right, okay? I need to reconcile myself to God. I need to say, what? You, You mean there's nothing holding me back from coming to you, so I come. So it's my decision. And the only thing that'll keep people out of heaven is rejecting Jesus. It's just rejecting Jesus. And I have to recognize that if I don't accept him, I am rejecting him. Okay, it's not like there's neutral ground here. It's not like, well, Jesus, I kind of like you. Will you just hang out for a while? I'll get back to you on that one. Okay, now you can get back to him anytime you want to, but we have to recognize that if I don't open my heart to accept him, I am rejecting him. And so, Jesus calls to us, and when, he, when, when we come to him, we receive him the same way we receive a guest. I have someone over to my home, doorbell rings, Lori's, we're getting ready for company. One of us runs to the door, opens the door, and what do we do? We say, you're here. We're so glad you're here. Don't stand out there. Come on in. We open the door. Come in. And Jesus even used that analogy at one point. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door and invites me in, I will come in. And so that's how we do it. I'm going to give you a chance to do that later. But right now I have a good friend, uh, Diane Nolte, who's going to come up and she is going to share uh, her story with us of how Jesus has 
impacted her life in just a profound and powerful way. So Diane, would you like to come up? And everyone, let's welcome Diane. Two months ago in January, I began to feel God drawing me. I had accepted Christ as my Savior in 1980, but spent my life abusing drugs. I grew up in a non-Christian home with two alcoholic parents and eight siblings and spent a lifetime running from that. I attended church for the most part, only sporadically over the years. Drugs always got in the way of any real, complete, committed relationship to him. Through the years, drugs were always my priority, though I tried to convince myself differently. February 18th, I was invited to Vineyard Northwest by a dear friend, a warrior in Christ, who God placed in my life 24 years ago to help show me the way. The spiritual gifts that God has for us was all new to me. I had very little knowledge or experience with them. That Thursday night, Robbie Dawkins was speaking here. I was a little freaked out by a couple of things he said but was determined to keep my heart and mind open about it all and see where God would lead. It was about six weeks prior to that that I had felt that God was drawing me, and on the night I came to the vineyard, I had 11 days drug-free. After Robbie's message, there was the opportunity to come forward to it for prayer, and I came forward to pray for those who had gone forward. Then Robbie said, Now those of you who came forward to pray for them, if you have prayer needs, I want you to raise your hand. So I did. Two women, members of the vineyard, prayed with me and laid their hands on me as they did so. When Robbie said, now ask them what they need prayer for, I broke into tears and said, I need prayer for deliverance from 47 years of drug abuse. I have not been the same since. God has been moving and empowering me in incredible ways like never before in my life. I have been delivered from all those years of drug abuse, never looking back. Today, he has given me 52 days clean. I have, I have finally found freedom in Christ. It was there and available to me all along, but until I completely surrendered to him, I was unable to find it. Five years ago, I was embarrassed to pray out loud in front of my Christian friends. That first Sunday after leaving Vineyard North Northwest, I stopped right here at the speedway, and as I pulled in, I saw a man standing outside. God was speaking to me, not audibly, to talk to the young man. It was very strange. I had never felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to do such a thing, nor in such a strong way. But I did, desiring to be led by him and not squelch out this direction I was receiving. Again, a very different experience than anything I had ever felt in the past. I said to him, I feel like God is asking me to speak to you. Are you okay? We talked for about 15 minutes or so, and I prayed with him and asked him if he knew Christ as his Lord and Savior. He said he did. He was homeless and had a long history of drug abuse. He said that he had nine months clean and that someone had just prayed with him that someone would come along who could help him. 
I shared with him about the 47 years of drug abuse I went through and the freedom I have found in Christ and invited him to come to the vineyard the following Sunday. I prayed again with him and then left. Throughout the week, I prayed for him, and the following Sunday when I left Vineyard Northwest, driving to Speedway once again, I wondered about him. I pulled in, and there he was. In his hand was a bulletin from Vineyard Northwest. He had just heard the message. We talked, and I prayed with him again. He said it was the first time he had been in church since he was a kid and that he liked it. It was very humbling to me to think that God could use little old me in such a way. All to his glory and honor and praise. The week after that, God led me once again to speak with another homeless person who was stuck in alcohol and drug abuse, whose girlfriend had just died from a heroin overdose. I talked and prayed with him, sharing with him about the years of drug abuse I went through and the freedom that can be found in Christ, inviting him to come to the vineyard. I shared with him that there is hope if we just look to Christ for healing and turn away from our sins that his shed blood is already covered. Never before is this sort of thing, God working through me in such depth and certainty that I was being led by the Holy Spirit happened to me. While I was skeptical about these spiritual gifts in the past, I certainly am not any longer. My friend and later Robbie had prayed for me and laid hands on me about intense lower back pain I had for as long as I can remember. Gone. Just absolutely gone. I'm so excited to see where God continues to lead me. Powerful messages here at the vineyard and I am growing in him. I just praise him and thanking him, thank him for drawing me back into the fold and opening my eyes. Amazing grace. While the Lord was with me all those years in drug abuse and did use me in different time frames when I was closer to him than in other times, never like he is using me today. When I finally made myself available to him, when I completely surrendered, no holding back. When I truly wanted him more than anything, something I had said for years but never fully acted on. His unconditional and inconceivable love for us just continues to blow me away. There is freedom in Christ to be had if we will only accept it. I am thrilled to be part of growing his kingdom. That's the other part that's equally important. And, and by that, I mean our lives are changed now. Amen. When you receive Christ, he is eternal life, so you get it now. You don't have to wait for heaven. You get it now. That's why Jesus rose from the dead. That's why he came back, so that as a living Savior, he could give us life now. He could change our hearts. It, was, it says in Romans 4.25, he was delivered to death to take away our sins and was raised to life to give us his righteousness so that we receive his life in his righteousness. And Romans 6.4 says, Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father so that we too might live in his new life with him. And so that's, that's the thing that's just as important is receiving his life. 
And I'm going to give you a chance right now just to pray with me and, um, and open your heart to Jesus. If you've never done it, I want to ask you to right now. If you just uh, Let's all just close our eyes, okay? And um, if, if you've not received Christ, do pray this with me. Just pray, Father God, I come to you and I thank you that you sent your son to die for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. You rose from the dead. I believe you're alive today. Come into my heart. Come into my life right now. Change me and give me the life that you have. In Jesus' name, amen.